passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. It is John Pollock and Way. Guess what? What's that? What's up? From 2011 until 2013, are you aware that I did improv? Um, I am aware. Yeah. How are you tonight? Um, I'm good. Thank you for disclosing that. You know, I think it's very responsible to disclose. I think all wrestling reporters have to disclose their their what? their prior involvement with uh, with improv. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not do improv with any professional wrestlers that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, I I did right. do improv at at the same uh, facility that one RJ City as well did improv at, but never did our paths cross. I believe on stage. Okay, I appreciate that. Yes. How are you? You're good. Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, kind of uh, a bit recovered uh, from from the weekend slightly. I'm not, so, no, you're I'm not, not eh? Yeah, I could tell. I, I you know, sometimes I, I know immediately how John is feeling after like you know, getting onto one of these calls and saying hi to him. And I was like, John, how you doing today? And John's response: I'm good. All right, let's start the show. <laughs> sometimes I, it's one of those guys. I can't wear a mask. I'm. Uh, I, I no, woke up today. Can't. I was. I was pretty out of it today. Today wasn't a great day. I'm just going to be upfront with everybody. But uh, I'm here. It is our latest show to discuss wrestling. And we have an explosive Raw to talk about. Lives changed. Um, memories created. Uh, legacies defined on this 180-minute edition of Raw from the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, I'll say so. Certainly for uh, you know young, young Dominic and... Ray Mysterio, absolutely lives were changed and memories created. All 48 hours I was counting down to this Dominic promo. His new gimmick, he's a mute. Which is similar to the gimmick he had before. You know, he he did plenty of talking, as as I can attest to in, in his prior incarnation. Well, this one, this one, not a not an expression, not a word, nothing. Just slick back hair and he's got his mamacita, Rhea Ripley. I mean, all the words are in his head. You know, I'm sure he's writing great emo lyrics in his uh, notebook uh, that I'm sure you'll 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 hear soon. I I mean, we'll be talking a lot about Young Dominic here. I actually thought it was a perfect performance for the role. Well, we will get to Dominic. There are more pressing things going on within professional wrestling uh, beyond that. But if you're if you're brand new to the party and you're just tuning in to rewind a raw, boy, we we gave you back to back to back nights 
here at Post Wrestling. Friday night, we had a, a packed edition of Rewind to SmackDown. That led into Saturday night, where we chatted Clash at the Castle, which feels like a distant memory at this point. And then Sunday night, after All Out, we went live with our pals Braden Harrington and Davey Portman for the All Out slash Worlds Collide slash CM Punk press conference post show. And we went through mm. all of it. And today we've got uh, a locker room. Uh, various terms are being used to describe this from uh, melee to altercation. I want to go with skirmish. Can we use skirmish? That's a new one. You're, you're t- bringing that one back from, you know, the 1940s, I guess, eh? Skirmish. I, I like skirmish. I think we can oh. make that ours. So that's, yeah, okay. that is what we are going to discuss. A very, a very serious story in all, in all uh, seriousness, but um, yeah. plenty coming out of just the past uh, 24 hours. Uh, even even since we we signed off last night and had gone through at least the uh, the punk comments and uh, you know more, more to come after that. But that I mean, you can say whatever you want. It completely overshadowed anything that happened on the pay per view. Everyone was focused on the press conference today, and then uh, what happened after the press conference uh, involving Punk and others. That um, yeah, t- to me it uh, I I do feel it drives interest for dynamite but i think it has totally overridden what was i I thought a really great return angle for mjf and it it felt very reminiscent of double or nothing where coming out of that show it was all the mjf stuff that had kind of uh overshadowed anything on the show and and you can argue whether that was to the benefit of the company or the detriment of of some specifically wardlow who is you know recently uh vocalized his his problems with how that all went down and has it it did i don't think there's any hesitation there it negatively affected him certainly yeah um it's it's a a little bit karmic in that sense um however i think it maybe points more so to growing pains within aew certainly over the past several months and how um so often now it seems like Things in real life are spilling over and dominating, honestly, the hard work that, you know, everybody puts into the fiction and creating the illusion of, you know, the stories that they're trying to tell and the matches that they're putting on. Um, for better or worse, we're, we're, we seem to be way more interested in whatever is actually going on in reality. Um, so it's it's interesting. Um, but again, John, just to kind of, you know, do some housekeeping here. Uh, the two shows that you mentioned earlier from the weekend with uh, our Rewind uh, Smackdown slash Rampage show, as well as our Clash of the Ch- uh, Clash at the Castle. I was about to say Crown Jewel. Clash at the Castle. Who are you, show. Austin Theory? Yeah. Clash at the Castle post show are both exclusive shows on the Post Wrestling Cafe, which, of course, uh, those of you who are subscribed to us on Patreon will continue to receive those. However, if you are a YouTube person who somehow for some reason only exclusively watches us on youtube you can also now subscribe to the post wrestling cafe by joining the youtube memberships portion of our channel so go to youtube.com slash post wrestling uh we'll probably come with a better url for it later but youtube.com slash post wrestling on your desktop and you should be able to find the join button and you can join us and you can get all the bonus shows right now we have archives dating back to march so that includes mcu later every single edition of rewind of smackdown and rampage uh rewind away is going to be up there tomorrow our latest show talking about wwe raw from 1999 in the sky dome and then of course talk ask away everything is out there right now it is eight dollars a month 
on the YouTube. And uh, that is $2 more than the Patreon. So we still recommend the Patreon for the best value, but we up the price a little bit just to account for the higher fees that YouTube takes. So that is available for you. I also want to announce right now, for those of you who don't really like the uh, Patreon or YouTube ecosystems and prefer to stick to Apple Podcasts, we're now offering post wrestling cafe subscriptions through apple podcast subscriptions so you can get all of our bonus shows through apple podcast itself you should be able to find it right now if you simply go through our feed in the in the apple podcast app so you'll be able to get rewind to smackdown uh again all the bonus shows including clash at the at the castle post show rewind away talk etc 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 that too is also eight dollars and of course again to account for the higher fees to uh apple so uh, you can thank the corporations, but we still recommend Patreon. Of course, that's the best way you can go to support us. But some of you guys will really just prefer some of these other ecosystems. And that is the option for you guys right now. Right now. Yes. Yes. Uh, do what you can to help uh, get Apple up and running. And uh, <laughs> hopefully that they will get through this year uh, with your with your support. So, uh, yes, it's just uh, trying to broaden this to uh, the, the most amount of people. And with Apple, there's a lot of people that just uh, there's a comfort level. And we've seen uh, j- just the numbers of familiar that people have with that and this is for uh the, the bonus shows uh specific to that and then uh with youtube um this is where we're, we're going to be housing all of our cafe video content including this week when way and i are going to get into a car together we're going to drive down to buffalo cameras will be rolling oh yeah absolutely um we it's been a while i think since you and i have taken a road trip in the car together john you know i I cannot remember the last time you and i have gone anywhere in a car together it might have been chicago honestly like for all in way back when so uh, let's hope we don't have a repeat of that we'll we'll be there by by the time uh the the next buffalo taping takes place i will let you control the gps this time around to ensure that we get there in due time but uh yeah we'll be recording an edition of talk as we go down there and an edition of rewind a dynamite on our way back so uh, plenty of recording to be done and a lot of catching up for you and I to, to do on the way there, John. Yes. So the next few days, um, so that that dynamite for Wednesday night, we won't be live minutes after the show because we were we will both be there in Buffalo. So look out for that Thursday morning uh, for Rewind a Dynamite and you'll get our our live car ride version of Rewind a Dynamite. And Tuesday, it's the return of Rewind Away, number 115 and Coming back, we are going to February of 1997, Royal Rumble Raw at the Toronto Skydome, where uh, it was the first two-hour edition of the show, uh, featuring a no-holds-barred main event with The Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson against Farouk and Mankind, and we've got Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels having a uh, face-to-face in the ring. Uh, very, uh, very timely, I guess, I guess this week. And we will also go through, uh, plenty of interesting news items going on that week in February of 1997. A ton going on in the world of professional wrestling. So we will break down all of that on Tuesday's Rewind Away. And you can look out for that if you are a post wrestling cafe member or a YouTube member where the video will drop. That is correct. Did I get it all right? Yes, you, no, uh, you always do. Yes. Postwrestling.com for the whole schedule, uh, full slate of shows coming up this week. Uh, you can check out all of those. Uh, but let's get into uh, the, the major story, which is uh, coming out of last night's All Out show. And I'm going to refer to uh, Andrew Thompson's uh, write-up of this uh, on, the, on the site uh, with um, a recap of some of the reporting from a PW Insider, uh, F4W Online, as well as Fightful Select. And also uh, Stephen Milhausen of, of DAZN was also reporting on this today. And uh, Andrew had written, 
According to reports from both PW Insider and F4W Online, there was a physical altercation that took place following Punk's press conference. It was first reported by Fightful Select that there were some in the company who were not happy with what Punk said at the presser. The situation involved Punk, producer Ace Steel, and the Elite. Kenny Omega, Matt, and Nick Jackson. The PW Insider write-up reads that Omega and the Young Bucks went to Punk's locker room to confront him. That is when the physical altercation took place with Punk, Matt, and Nick, but there's no confirmation on their end regarding who threw the first punch. Ace Steel arrived on the scene and got involved, but it is noted that his wife was in the vicinity of the incident. Steel and Punk are close friends. A number of AEW personnel split the two sides apart as they continue to shout at each other. Now, in F4W Online's write-up, there is a note that Punk threw the first punches at Matt Jackson. Ace Steel allegedly threw a chair that hit Nick and then proceeded to lay hands on Omega and allegedly bit him. AEW has yet to comment on the matter. Following Chris Jericho's media scrum, he whispered to Tony Khan, quote, some shit went down as he exited the stage. Khan was present for the entire scrum and did not see the incident as it happened in real time. Uh, it was also picked up on on video uh, during the Swerve in Our Glory scrum of a security guard uh, racing to the back that people have assumed had to deal with this uh, incident that went down. So, I mean, I, I don't think we can get into, like, the nitty-gritty details of of everything that happened, but I think we can take like a large picture view of who was involved here. Um, when, when you're talking about um, a shouting match versus, um, you know, punches being thrown, a potential chair connecting with one of your, uh, one of your major stars on top of it, uh, someone potentially being bit. Um, you have the fact, wh- whatever stock you want to put in the titles, these are three EVPs that are involved in this. And you can look at that uh, from from the side of um, the, the talent that is uh, getting involved physically with EVPs and the EVPs conversely um, getting involved in, in this. There's there's that dynamic to things. Um, there's a producer here in, in Ace Steel. Like these are people and your top star uh, bar none in CM Punk. So these are all people that, you know, have, you know, significant weight uh, attached to their names or job titles that uh, I, I just I cannot fathom how this doesn't go without some sort of response from the very top end uh, of the company. I, I just cannot fathom that happening. But mm. we are talking about four of the biggest stars in the company and a really um, it just feels like a powder keg that has exploded. And this is going to require the most intensive management of, of Tony Khan to try and and quell what has now erupted from I mean that that press conference was just a breaking point last night absolutely yeah um as if like the evening could have been even more newsworthy than Punk's comments at the press conference um to you know hear about some of these reports from very credible sources about a physical altercation that took place um and the details of which i'm sure we'll learn a whole lot more of in the days to come it it, it is taking really like the events of last night from just kind of being a simple news story to like almost something of legend right now you know this that's sort of like the critical level that we're kind of reaching at and it is by far i think the biggest test that tony khan is facing as you know a a professional wrestling promoter as somebody who's a leader um uh, of a locker room that appears to be incredibly divided right now Uh, how, how do you deal out punishment 
while at the same time, you know, um, ensuring that, 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 will, that will harm you will harm your product, but ensuring that has... your business is maintained. You know, we're right. talking about the four arguably like, you know, integral acts of various it's your divisions. world champion and your trios champions as well. Absolutely. So, there, I, you know, you can't suspend everybody and will only take everybody off a of TV. However, you have to show a message to uh, the locker room that you are you, you can't stand for this. You know, um, what is that going to look like? Um, and it, it's interesting, though, because like in the, in the comments uh, at the press conference, when Tony Khan was not necessarily aware of what how, how much this had escalated, but simply after, you know, follow up to uh, CM Punk's comments. I mean, Tony was asked and he had very much the attitude of, yeah, in wrestling, people and performers aren't going to like each other. And oftentimes that creates for great television he was almost like speaking of it as this is an opportunity for me to you know turn this into story does he f- still feel that way is it irresponsible for him to oh you, you can't say that story? at this point now now this is a dangerous work environment mm-hmm. uh, like if you're talking about chairs being thrown at, at people i mean this, if this was in th- the nfl if this was at fulham what would the reaction be i i, I would have to imagine s- suspensions but that mm-hmm. i i would look at any any sport and that would likely be the the outcome here the question becomes like is this um is this a tenable enough situation that you can i i think the best case scenario is that they're on islands from this point forward where they exist once a week in a building they will not work together they will be separate which they largely they are now uh, aside from the punk hangman program um i you can never rule out at, at some point you could revisit that i i do not see that in 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 any near future at this point uh, with, with Punk and, and Hangman, that might be a very optimistic outcome after this. This could simply, it, you could be at a situation where it is ultimatum for either side. It's it's him or us. It, it could very well be, be in that position and um, whose side will Tony take at that point? Who is more integral to your business? Uh, it, it it would be one thing if this was simply Cole Cabana and CM Punk, but it's not. It's, you know, um, three of your founders, three people with executive positions and arguably the person who's done the most business for your company, has, who has who is in the process of taking your company to the next level. The fan um, response to this, to me, has largely, as expected, I think, been anti-punk. Is that how you felt? Um. I, I've seen mixed. I, I, I think some people. Um, I, I think it all comes down to, you know, f- from the public perspective of how you read the Hangman promo that at least publicly started this. And I, I said at the time when it when it became an issue a couple of weeks ago that to me it's okay. Here was somebody that I believe was building a match. And he stepped on a landmine on television, whether intentional or not. He he stepped on that landmine, and that set off Punk, and that um, has now, it, you know, it materialized with the response on television several weeks ago that I thought was very. And you either view it as a guy that was totally unprofessional, or that this was his public response to a public. Um, line thrown at him in Hangman Pages. I, I see them as different because one was building to the pay-per-view with the intent of creating this this hatred among these two that you are going to go see fight on Sunday. Punk believes that that comment jeopardized their first 
million dollar live gate, which he did not expand upon. How did that jeopardize a million dollar gate several days after the promo? It seemed pretty self-explanatory that he was like, you know, considering walking out and not appearing. That's how I took it. That's the only way I guess you can read it because it's a case of like, again, if, if you're going out there and it's, and you're not scripting lines and it's, Hey, you fire off at me. I'm going to fire off at you. Um, you're going to run into this and we've seen it come like countless times that there are going to be lines that, uh, you're not expecting and suddenly it crosses this line and everyone's line is going to be different when you're building up imaginary conflict that suddenly is uh, based on one line becomes real conflict. Right, right. I think there is sort of like a, a bit of leeway that you can maybe give um, performers when somebody might step over the line. At the same time, I do. I think there are other avenues to resolve that conflict than, you know, throwing a tantrum and saying, I'm not coming to work or I'm not going to fulfill my obligations and my contract and doing a pay-per-view. That if I, that, I if that is what had happened back in May, this is the go-home show. Um, this is the Wednesday before Double or Nothing that the promo happens and Paige uses the workers' right lines, which let's be honest, uh, like I listened back to our show today and just like that was one that I think some people assumed he meant Colt Cabana, but it's like we were as confused as anyone. Like yep. you could read it like that, but I don't think anyone like it was not something where it happened and people moved on. It was not a line that I think people connected all the dots on, at least not a large number did. Right. But it's also for that reason where, I mean, I I could understand Punk's frustration. I do too. With that line I, because, I do too. Because it had nothing to do with any of the story that you had been setting up before. It just seemed like a dig that was unnecessary, that did not necessarily even build that much heat. At least no, it, it was a line that it was out of context. It did not make a whole lot of sense. And if and if you are giving some benefit of the doubt here, if Hangman is wanting to convey like a legitimate rivalry here with, with, with this guy and your your conclusion as the viewer is, oh, wow, he stepped over the line. They really don't like each other. And you're playing with fire at that point when you are trying to simulate that this is a real hatred. Well, it's a thin line between simulated and actual. And they they turned it into a line that set punk off. And, and if you're it, if you're hanging, sorry to cut you off, but if you're hangman page, do you expect any result but what has happened? You know, like creating actual tension, real life tension, non fictitious tension between you and the partner that you're creating that scene with. Like when you're throwing out a line like that, you know, he's asking for people to look deeper when you're talking about workers' rights. You know, he's asking for people to. Uh, kind of, you know, look past what's story and into the reality of CM Punk's role and how it may have affected the rest of the locker room. This It's also worth noting the timing of that promo was a week after the Sasha Banks Naomi issue and Punk had, you know, spoken publicly in favor of them and backing mm-hmm. your colleagues. So I imagine that as well, uh, timing wise, uh, played into Paige's thinking of using the line. But I agree. It was to, to me a line that did not... Um, it did not sell the show, but I can also look at him believing that it was – I'm trying to convey to the most uh, ardent fan that, oh, wow, he went there. And this feels like th- these guys really don't like each other to try and sell that. Had that had it been a case where Punk refused to work the pay-per-view that weekend, um, I think there would have been great um, 
a great negativity towards punk if he did not um fulfill that but oh, yeah. um again that he didn't really go into detail he just said it jeopardized a million dollar house that was four days away i can't imagine any other form of jeopardy than punk walking away because he was so pissed off and you know much all of this i think this is what i think continues to make cm punk such an interesting person in the world of pro wrestling it's it's what also makes us love him right it's the fact that he's willing to stand up for himself and at any sign of disrespect and in this case um sometimes that to, to the public might go a little too far it was this sign of uh, disrespect big enough for somebody to threaten to walk out of the show to him it was or you know um but so to others no so just going through the timeline so they have the match punk wins wednesday they're at the forum and that's the show where punk breaks his foot in the match where he he jump he does the he jumps off the stage, stage breaks his foot and then Friday is the rampage and Hangman was off the show that Wednesday so mm-hmm. Friday Punk gives up the title announce or they create the interim championship he announces the injury and then they state that the battle royal is going to happen the following Wednesday so mm-hmm. Wednesday is when Hangman is brought back onto television but he's not in the battle royal as we pointed out and it made no sense why is Hangman not in the battle royal and if you remember he wins his match and then does the promo and alludes to I'm probably not going to be getting a title match anytime soon and that was never contextualized or followed up on and i imagine that that is the line that's been used because punk was not there that week that's the only thing i can imagine is the line that was being brought up that punk was not around to uh, respond to even though i didn't necessarily take that i mean you you could they, they weren't at that point building towards that match punk is out and the line really made no sense within the body of the television program right and given the context of i think what it, the workers rights line from several months back um, I guess you can understand why, you know, Punk would would take a special uh, offense to that subliminal, as as you know, uh, rap rap fans might call these. Uh, and it's just it's really kind of played itself out on TV in such spectacular ways that um, I I don't know how Tony rules respond because at, in, the, in the same time where I think we're looking for, you know, prof- prof- professional sort of like uh, punishment or at least like penalties um, being, being put on people like this for speaking out on TV like this or, or in press conferences at the same time, he's been looking for magic like this to take his product to the next level. He talked about it in the press conference yesterday, Sean versus Brett, you know, was, was sort of like to him, um, almost like maybe something that uh, was a bit of a hallmark in helping establish um, obviously the big man character and also the attitude era. He's been looking for something like this and look how much time we're spending talking about it. Look how much time the audience is spending, t- you know, talking about this thing beyond uh, what, what took place at all out. It's like the ingredient that I feel like he's just at, at the same time salivating about how he can make money off of this. So, you know, Wednesday is a show that I'm really grateful that we we are going to John live because I think the public reaction will be huge. I think it'll be nothing but reaction to this. So um, I'll be interested but, but to see how can, AEW shuts what, it down. I just don't know, like where, like this, this is the whole problem, and, th- and this is where, like, of course, whenever stuff like this happens, you you are going to have a segment that it's just 
everything's a work and you just you can't get through to mm. that that segment of people that are going to but view it like right that. right to be skeptical at times because this is professional wrestling and I think but but this one makes no sense because you have just you have brought back MJF. You had this program in place. This has done damage. It not maybe the the program turns out fine, but for at least the short term of that buzz you wanted coming off that pay-per-view that you put this guy on the on the sidelines for three months to build up to this night of him coming back, and that's our final visual. And within an hour, nobody is—I won't say nobody—but it's greatly downplayed after all of this happens. Like the timing of this contradicts your your big story that you're doing with Punk, and yeah. that to me, no, like, no, agreed. I, I mean, I think so much of what we've been seeing right now with Punk and with MJF are are perhaps things that have started off very real, but will be used to blur the lines to create fiction. Um, as we've seen with Brett and Sean, you know, as we've seen, seen with everything else, that's just kind of like the nature of professional wrestling. Um, th- it's not a, a black and white matter, you know, like not everything is being uh, like secretly playing in, in a room and not everything is completely real. Um, but I, I'm kind of past that argument myself, John, you know, like I think like people let, let's like kind of move on and like, talk about this knowing what we believe to be the truth and that the tension here is very real. So the next, the next question then becomes, and just to, I guess you, you also have to look at just the handling of all of this because these months go by punk comes back and he does the promo on hangman in the ring, calling him out to me at that point, like that was, if you want to look at this, if you like that is strike one for punk. And I think strike two was last night. And you might argue that the the locker room stuff, um, you know, depending on who the instigator was, like, does that become another strike in all of this? To me, it never should have got to the point that last night erupted into. Mm -hmm. After that promo several weeks ago, first of all, the fact that all of this was was boiling after the Hangman promo, this is where, you know, there needed to be some kind of understanding so that that promo never happens in the ring from punk calling out one of your baby faces to the surprise of everybody and making your baby face look like an utter fool on television, regardless of whether punk feels he's justified or not. If I'm the executive producer of this show, there is no way that you are doing that to one of my central figures. And we do not know what is happening on our television. And you are calling out this challenge out of nowhere justified or not in your mind right now would you say the same thing for hangman's line from the prior promo i have a lot more leeway on that line given that they were working together they were working towards not that one but the what about the other one about um, not getting a title shot anytime if that was a completely uh improvised line and we're not going towards that match that's that that's a fair one too yeah i I don't think that's subtle that it's it's subtle enough that you understand why it probably it didn't get a lot of attention like it was not this big controversy coming out of it like we noted it um but you also believe okay they're planting a seed for a rematch down the road Mm -hmm. or something but the way it positioned punk was that he's shutting hangman out of the title picture and it's like healing punk so yeah yeah, that's that's fair comment too but again we're talking about this company that one of the selling features was we don't script promos we don't have writers we let the artists write their music and now they're writing music that we want to have a better control of. Now the record yeah. company wants to have a say in the rap lyrics. <laughs> totally. Yeah. This this track is too uh, is too too close to the bone. Yeah. 
again, though, like that's a wonderful analogy because to me, one of the things that, uh, you know, deepened my, my whole, uh, love of hip hop are real life beefs, you know, Tupac and Biggie, Nas and Jay Z. You know, these are things that I think are still stuff of legend that really take the industry and the companies or, or their art forms to the next level. So again, I, 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 there's a big part of me that thinks Tony Khan right now is thinking about ways he could turn this into art, how he could make money off of this. And I, I also feel like as tense as maybe things may be between, you know, uh, punk and the elite, the, I, they, somewhere down the line, I believe this will be turned into business. You always have to keep that door open in, in professional wrestling. I, I don't think that that's happening in the immediate future. Um, mm-hmm. But do you look at this as, again, you have four major stars that are at the center of this that it is going to do your program no good to send either side uh, away for any time being. But at the same time, what message does it send to I, – I don't know how you can turn a blind eye to this. It's yeah. – and and believe me, it's – I understand the nature that you know everyone is bringing up, well, you just suspended Eddie Kingston. There is going to be a – there is a star system in pro wrestling, and the bigger star is going to have the bigger, the bigger rope. That's just the reality of things, and you can disagree with it. You can say it's unfair. Wrestling is unfair. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, that said um, – I feel like once once we're talking beyond just like that press conference alone, you could certainly argue like that was that was a very unprofessional, not so much him defending himself about the cabana stuff and addressing it. He has a right to defend himself, but then to run down your EVPs in a roundabout way, pretty much insulting Tony Khan, who put those people in those places like that was. I think it made the company look really bad to have your top star just pretty much paint your company as amateur hour. There's no doubt. Absolutely. But is it a punishable offense? You know, uh, is it wrong for a man with a live microphone to speak out his grievances? This is CM Punk we're talking about here. It adds to the fact that, I mean, Tony, not to mention the fact that Tony Khan was right next to him, basically kind of like almost kind of. I wouldn't say nodding in agreement, but certainly not looking, um, I don't know, um, upset. I, I do not think he upset. was comfortable in that position. I don't think he wanted no, no, to, to sell his emotion. But, but it's I, bad for him to come up, come out after this to say, I'm going to punish you for saying these things, even though in the moment I let you go ahead and say as much as you wanted to. Uh, f- fair enough. But I, I think at, at that point, it's... I don't think uh, you can retroactively punish him for that. You know, when Tony was right there, kind of like almost complicit to it all. Well, I, I, do, I don't think the the... I didn't think the press conference was going to lead to action. Uh, especially but the physical alteration is a different story. Absolutely, That's, we're in it. We're in a different uh, a different area code of yeah. of seriousness. I think he needs to take a stand and for the integrity of his business to show his you know bosses at Warner that this is a professional company. You have to suspend everybody who was involved in this. I mean, obviously, do your due diligence in, in, in a proper investigation, but when it escalates the physical altercation, you have to take a stand, and no matter what, how big of a star player this person is for your team, you you got to suspend them. you got to de- deal appropriate penalties. You have a big enough roster. You just kind of went through a whole you know uh, summer without Kenny and without Punk. What's a few more, I don't know, months or something like that? Dish out the appropriate penalties, and then from that point on, you know, uh, see if you can work things out and turn it into art. Do you at all? And again, people are going to look at like the, the EVP titles of like how 
significant those titles are, but they are titles. They hold technically executive positions in the company. Do you hold those three to a higher standard that as opposed to this just being wrestlers on equal footing in the company getting into a backstage skirmish? I hold wrestlers to a higher standard. I think you have to That's you know, a in a professional answer. environment like this, you know, whether you're an executive executive or not, if you're an adult working in a professional environment, you cannot be throwing fists. That's unacceptable anywhere. Um, so you know, the EVP titles, I think are also interesting too, because at this point we don't exactly even know what that entails, John, you know, from what we hear, it's greatly diminished from like what it was, you know, when the company began. So at this point, what does it even mean to be an EVP for the company? I mean, I mean, there, it, it may very well just, you know, in terms of the, the benefits that that comes with, like, is this something like they could lose their EVP titles over that that may have like very tangible benefits attached to it versus a, a wrestler contract? Like this is something where if you remember way back in, in the in the mid 90s when Vader and Paul Orndorff got into that big fight backstage, it was like a lot of it was on like Paul Orndorff, like fighting Vader. It's like you're the road agent here. You are in the in the position with the office that you sh- you should be the the cooler head here in this kind of a situation and um even though it goes down as this legendary story about him like beating up vader um and, and again like it's i i can understand having this kind of a response when you see this press conference in the moment but at the same time you are you hold these titles that are above the other wrestlers in the locker room you are the people that set the culture of this locker room in in many ways that you are looked upon that you just spoke at a talent meeting as representatives of this company and and you're getting involved in this whose fault it was who threw the first punch you were involved in it and that to me and and for punk too he's not an evp but he is your top star and these mm-hmm. are the people that are kind of the pillars of this company and this is just it's a very it's a very unprofessional look for the for the company regardless of tangible benefits down the road of of turning this into business in the immediate this is a locker room that to the public has just gone through weeks of kind of been, you know, fanning the flames. And then these guys just threw gasoline on it on Sunday. And it looks like a locker room in chaos, whether that's a, an appropriate enough term or description or not. If this I is, think it is. Absolutely. It is. I, I don't know how you can look at this as not. I'm sure there would be people in the locker room that it's, it's very harmonious, but this is, um, you know, th- these are your four players. And when you're getting a, a physical altercation with these kinds of details attached to it, it's, it is something where it's gone too far, and no. now meaningful punishment, I do feel, needs to be doled out. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely. I mean, not just you know to, 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 to show the public, I think you have a control of your roster, but to show the talent in the back, the young talent in the back, you know, that very much looks to all four of those men as, you know, role models, um, that no matter how big of a star you are, like, this is not a way to dish out your uh, prop conflict resolution. And more importantly, you know, in the past, we may have seen altercations like this um, benefit the participants involved. We may still see that, you know, if they go ahead and turn this into a big story involving everybody. Certainly, it's worked out for MJF. You know, he's got a big he, – he received the biggest spot of, on the pay-per-view last night as a result of whatever had happened between him. I mean, you're showing a sign – you need to show the, your, your young, younger roster that it doesn't matter how big of a star you are. You cannot act out like this. Um it's this whole year, I think, has been like kind of full of stories such as this. You know, we talk about Sasha and Naomi, of course, um, not following 
company orders, I suppose, and, and going off on their own. And uh, you get to see two different philosophies of how to handle it. You know, in uh, Sasha and Naomi's case, they um, the company kind of turned on them pretty quick. Uh, will AEW do the same with this? That I don't. I don't see happening. I don't see any kind of public. Um, you know, um, I, I would be very surprised if you saw. I I would not rule out the idea of if there was a suspension if they announced it on the air. But the idea of like burying your talent, I I would imagine zero percent chance of that happening on mm-hmm. on AEW. Um, also brought up in in the press conference that I thought was, was notable. Uh, Brandon Thurston asked Tony how the pay-per-view was trending, and I'm sure he did not envision getting uh, the, the the answer that, that Tony gave, which uh, he did, like, address the buys. He doesn't expect it to hit last year's figure of 205,000. Um, there's no exact number, but it will probably be the second highest all-out number in history, and brought up that... You know, we were not the only wrestling show this week, this weekend. We ended up being the third wrestling show this weekend. It was more challenging in the marketplace. And he said, we're going to continue to bring the fight. And I've got a lot of money to fight with. This is not a game to me. It's my life. And he was hoping to have the all time record for all out. So he was, he was very much, and, and you have to be if you were in his shoes to be shooting to, to beat last year's number. Uh, but says this will be overall their biggest year in pay-per-view revenue. That is worth noting. They have five shows versus four, uh, last year. Um, but this number, but, but will even be... without forbidden door, dude, like, weren't they on track to beating last year? Yes. Yeah. Like again, up to, up till all out, all numbers were up from the year prior. Plus you mm-hmm. add on forbidden door. So you're right. They, they would have been ahead, um, anyway, just based on, on buys that we've, we have seen, but it expects this to be similar to other pay-per-views this year. Um, comparing this one to around uh, double or nothing this year, which, uh, Brandon has at 155,000 buys and then ended this by saying, uh, when I compared myself to Jim Crockett promotions this weekend, which he did on his uh, his chat with the Observer site, I think I got a taste of the same medicine Jim Crockett promotions took, but I have a lot more fucking money than Jim Crockett did. I'm serious. I'm not going to sit back and take this fucking shit. Oh, my goodness. I, so. I feel like Tony Khan kind of has a bit of Dominic Mysterio energy in him, like in that, you know, like he seems kind of very innocent and then – it's kind of adorable when he gets angry in pro wrestler mode. Um, I so, anytime Tony Khan like starts cutting promos, so to speak, like I, I don't exactly know how to take it. Like I, I think on the one hand, maybe he's playing things up for the media. On the other hand, maybe maybe he truly kind of sees this as a slight for him though to kind of blame this NXT World Collide show. Is do you think he was putting blame on that, or do you think he was putting blame also on a um, Clash at the Castle? I, I think it was overall like I, I do not believe Clash at the Castle was a, a counter to this. I mean, it was something that I mean, they have talked about the fact that they have been working on this deal in Wales for for months. Um, but Worlds Collide. I mean, this was a show. Let, let, let's remember this show got put onto the schedule, what, two weeks after Heat Wave. Uh, so they had just done that special and they built the whole concept around these NXT UK titles, including spoiling their own tournament in order to promote Tyler Bate taking on Braun Breaker. So, I mean, this this did feel very rushed and hmm. put together to the fact that you spoiled your own final episodes of NXT UK because they only wrapped up the tournament and they gave away the champion, the winner, weeks ago. But to suggest that, like, I think to suggest that Worlds Collide took any sort of significant bite out of all out all outs buys, 
I think is just a, a bad excuse for why this year is not doing better than last year. I, I, to me, it's insignificant. You know, if your plan was to order all out anyway, I don't think you're saying, oh, Worlds Collide is on. I can watch it on Peacock. I got my wrestling fill this week. I'm not going to watch Punk versus Moxley. I see a very small percentage of people saying that. I, I don't think Worlds Collide is, is making the, the difference there. But you could look at the, the weekend that if I am a wrestling fan and – I've only got so many hours this weekend that I'm dedicating. I'm not doing two nights of pro wrestling and WWE's got the big show on. I'm watching one show and it's the show that costs me uh, $5 on Peacock to watch or $10 Mm -hmm. if I have the the ad tier versus a $50 pay-per-view. You've made my decision for me. If I want to watch on Sunday, it's like I do have a cheaper option to get a three-hour show. And I I don't want to sit down for eight hours to watch pro wrestling. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it didn't help. It certainly didn't help. Um, Was it it a Jim Crockett? Or Jim Crockett? Yeah. Was it a Jim Crockett move, though, to, like, have a counter-program? If you could even call it a counter-program the day before in a different part of the world? Like, I don't think so. I I think they're they're looking more at – uh, I, I guess they're just looking at the idea of like, you know, last minute. Again, I, I don't think this is worlds making... collide. Yes, I can agree. But like, I also don't think worlds collide did any sort of significant damage to all out. So like for Tony Khan to respond to like worlds collide as some sort of major slight that he's going to vow revenge on. I I thought was kind of silly. Well, it's regardless of what the intent is, like, I feel this is not going to be the last time we see this. Um, yeah. I, I think there's going to be plenty of counter programming. Marathon, and, not a race. Well, and, and both sides, they know the game that they're in and this is the game that's going to be played. And it's probably, and it is, it's a dirty game. That's, that is uh, going on. Do you feel that compare this to the discussion we just had about Paul Levesque and kind of just laughing off AEW and Tony Khan giving this kind of a response to AEW. Do you think that one one method is superior to the other. Do you think that Tony Khan is, um, yeah. for, for lack of a better term, selling this too too, too much rather than? Um, I would argue it's like it's more to the benefit of of Tony Khan as sort of like this kind of under underground, more underground, like more catering more to a niche audience to like use words like that than it is for Triple H to officially acknowledge the competition. And I think you kind of saw it in the responses to, you know, the average person who doesn't follow AEW and only might have heard, you know, Errol Hawani's interview with Triple H. Um, It continues to maybe like talk about. AEW as sort of like almost like a uh, relatively small sort of insignificant part of your competition, whereas Tony Khan's response in the press conference really treated this like it was the biggest war he was about to enter, you know, um, taking on AEW with all the money that he has. Um, so the responses, I think, were appropriate, but I do feel like the energy from Paul Levesque made WWE feel bigger, uh, and which they are. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The only other notes from the press conference, uh, Tony Khan would not comment on Malachi Black and what his kind of uh, sign-off meant when he got onto the stage. Which I guess that's that's notable too. The fact he would not uh, comment on it, um, 
Uh, we, we, we shall see. And it was also uh, reported on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio that uh, Christian Cage was injured going into All Out. So that looks to have played a factor in, in the match being so short. And we've seen him with that arm brace on for the last couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. that is uh, the latest on Christian. MJF will speak on Dynamite. And uh, that's that's what they have advertised along with Yuda and Garcia and the, the trios match with Death Triangle against, against Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. Uh, they have not announced anything involving Punk or your trios champions. And there was no being the elite that came out on Monday. Interesting. Yes. Okay. There you have it. That is all the news. Are we ready to move on to Raw after <laughs> our 45-minute uh, intro? Uh, I, I suppose so, yeah. This, this was the much bigger story than than Raw. Raw, I think we could uh, summarize. Uh, hey, I don't know about this, man. Come on. Again, if you're a Dominic Mysterio fan, this was a big show. Well, uh, we were going to get right to it. Um, Edge comes out. <clears throat> at the beginning, and he brings up Dominic and has known Dominic since he was five years old. I've stayed at your home in San Diego. Me and Ray have gotten tattoos together. Actually, they got ink together. And he talked down Dom after his first match, uh, as he was getting ready last year for his first match in front of a live crowd. You felt like a nephew to me, but Dominic doesn't feel the same way about me. He apologized for the spear a couple of weeks ago, and he didn't come back here to get between father and son, and he takes the blame for the Judgment Day trying to ruin the Mysterio's lives. But Dominic, I'm looking at you not as a five-year-old kid, but as a WWE superstar, and I'm going to beat your ass. So he calls out Dominic, and Ray comes out, and he's holding his heart. He's just, Edge, Edge, please. And he knows that Dominic messed up, and he's asking for an apology on behalf of Dominic. Edge says Dominic is old enough to stand for his actions. So that prompts Rhea Ripley to come out saying she saw the potential in Dominic and she made him into a man. And there walks out (laughs) Dominic all in black hair is slicked back. Dude, I, I just thought this look perfect. Yeah, it's not quite, you know, uh, full-on Eddie Guerrero, LWO with a goatee or anything, but I think for the Judgment Day, it is perfect. I, I suppose, like, membership in the Judgment Day requires, like, you know, a significant amount of hair gel in your, um, I guess, um, I don't know, uh, entrance uh, package here. <laughs> and But he looks, he looks awesome. Like, he looks awesome because of how he looked before. Like... It, it, in in our enjoyment of Dominic Mysterio, there is like a little hint of irony, but I also think this is actually great storytelling. So Ray is pleading for his son to snap out of it. Come make things right with Edge. And Ray just says, I don't want to be a part of this. And he goes down to the floor. He looks at Dominic. Dominic won't even look at him. The crowd is chanting Eddie's son at Dominic. And Ray just walks to the back, a defeated man. And Edge is a is awaiting him to come into the ring when Balor and Priest storm the ring, attacking him, and Dominic joins in, chop-blocking the knee. And then Ray returns, and they won't let him help Edge. Ripley then drills him, sends him into the steps. There's a South of Heaven on Edge, and then uh, a coup de grace onto the chair on top of Edge, and Dominic leaves with the Judgment Day, and uh, the big attack was on Edge's knee. As uh, it almost felt like this was like his uh, his latest write off, but he will be coming back next week where they will do Dominic versus Edge uh, to combat Monday Night Football's return. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> imagine that sentence, you know, like two, three weeks ago even. But I, to me, this is now the hottest program 
in at least Raw, maybe even in the WWE, I thought that this was a tremendous follow-up to the angle coming off of Saturday. Uh, starting off with the great monologue from Edge, who I think very clearly and very cleanly in concise fashion outlined his history with the Mysterio family and with Dominic. It all sounded incredibly real because I have no doubt that a lot of what he said was real. I'm sure he did shoot like pea shooters in the back with Dominic. Uh, he probably did actually, you know, stay at the Mysterio's home when they, whenever they toured in San Diego and just and kind of like got ink together, got ink together. Yeah. And just the in- inclusion of some of those details, I think already injects this story with so much depth off the bat because you're playing off of reality. And he accomplished all of this in the span of what, like this kind of three to four minute promo uh, grew up with the kid. He looked at him like a nephew and I'm going to treat him like a man now because he's of age and I'm going to beat his ass. Like edge. I thought was great. You had, you know, you sort of our follow up and our introduction to Ray Mysterio's mentality in the midst of all this. And he, I think very believably plays a father who is torn. There's no nothing in the world he will do to ever turn on his son. So he still will have all the faith in the world in his son. All at the same time, he's incredibly apologetic to what is arguably like, you know, what feels like a, a, a close personal friend now in Edge. So I think his motivation is actually very full of character and full of story and, and depth. And I thought he did really well. Um, I also love how restrained they were with Dominic's involvement in the physical altercations. They didn't have Dominic directly attack Ray here. Nor did he, you know, deliver the killing blow directly to Edge with the chair. I think that might be to come. But for today, this to me is almost like a, I mean, it's a classic Star Wars turning to the dark side type of story where um, they're still keeping small hints of hope within Dominic that there's still good within him. And uh, they're slowly turning him or at least like slowly playing with sort of like, um, you know, um, uh, his, his conversion to the dark side, so to speak. It's it's probably a a great person in in Edge to have as his opponent next week mm-hmm. because Dominic has to change his style dramatically to work as a yeah. heel. The big handicap, though, is that you know as as a heel, like he works fine as a babyface, and he kind of like plays off of Ray in a tag in a singles match. Like, dude, he is dwarfed by these guys on the roster. Like, he is a small guy. And he has height, though. He has, like, a decent height. You know, like, him next to Balor is, like, I believe he's taller than Finn Balor. Well, I just... Ne- ne- but he next doesn't to have Edge, a body. Uh, it's, so it's very interesting to see how they will, um, you know, uh, adjust that part because we've never seen this guy work as a heel. But he's also got, like, you know, the four-on-one advantage. So I think that'll be enough to probably, you know, um, make the match work. There's, like, Dominic Mysterio, I think for a lot of people, is just, like ill-equipped i will say to become like sort of a wwe wrestler because there's anti-charisma about him which obviously john you know you and i are big fans of and as a baby face like it really at best makes him a generic baby face that you know could get a get by with like tag team matches with his dad as a heel though i actually think it's a perfect type of performance for this role where he has to basically be emotionless as he turns off his mind as he's watching his father get beaten up. Like I, I, I think they perfectly crafted a character for Dominic's limitations as an actor, for instance. Uh, earlier in the day, the Miz and Chomp are in the parking lot. They will not talk. They will not even say Dexter Loomis's name. And they're doing this whole interview, and then they happen to notice next to them a car tipped over. Yeah. 
they they were so walking was, through the parking lot. This didn't stand out at all. And then at the end of the interview, they they looked to their right and look at that. Well, this ca- car is tipped over. They were walking towards the car, weren't they? Like this is we literally learned this was their car, and we're supposed to. Um, it was insinuated that Dexter Loomis did this. I, w- I would assume so. Yeah, I don't think it was Maurice. I don't think so either. So Loomis can flip cars over now? Yeah, yeah. He can appear like to uh, The Miz, but not the audience. He can also um, – he has super strength. Did you notice uh, another interesting note about the Dexter Loomis character? So last week when he appeared in the crowd, Kevin Patrick came to The Miz and said, what did you see in the crowd? Meaning – no one else was supposed to be able to see Dexter Loomis except yep. Miz. Now, in this, didn't acknowledge it either, I believe. It like, was weird. But yeah. then here, Sarah Schreiber says, we noticed Dexter Loomis in the backseat of your car when you left last week. So yeah. there we could see him, but we could not see him in the crowd. Is that right? Yeah. So I, to me, I, th- I think this week they just decided to renege on like the idea that only the – the audience can see Dexter Loomis, but the people in the WWE cast can't. So Miz because, isn't crazy. Uh, he's not crazy. No, absolutely not. No. Like that was an aspect of the show that I, I was honestly surprised that they would go to because it, it was comically like it requires too much suspension of disbelief for what I'm sensing is more realistic, you know, um, WWE now under, under Paula Beck. Um, so yeah, this week they're not doing really any supernatural, you can't see him, but we can type of stuff, except for the fact that Loomis can now flip cars over. <laughs> we're taking away your invisible nature, but we're giving you a different superpower. Okay. Yeah, you got it's super a fair trade. Now. Yeah. Then it was time for a fatal four-way number one contenders match. And the first team out is Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, who I just watched get murdered by the Viking Raiders on Friday. They right. Now- where were they? I have no idea. They well, were not. Clearly they, didn't, they didn't want him to be decimated in the end of this segment. But you're right. The ranking system. Booking wise. Yeah, I guess it's a plus that they were not part of this. But logically, this made no sense to have these guys in a number one contenders match. Nor do drop. Um, in the no, they page. they and they brought up the fact. Oh, we saw them last night and they lost to the tag champions. And here that what was that? Was that a non-title match or was that a title today? Match? Today? You mean? Yeah. With Raquel and Aaliyah. I don't know. Anyway. I'm not sure. So we had probably, this, probably non-title. You're probably right. Alpha Academy, Los Lotharios, and the Street Profits. So, dude, this went like two segments, and it was actually like – actually. Like look at the good. talent in here. This was a good match. Good. This was really yeah. good. Uh, Dawkins continues to really stand out for me uh, in, in a big way. Um, he hit a pounce, sending Kofi over the top, and then followed with a Tope Um Ford and Gable had a, had a great spot in here with the American Automatic and Ford landing on his feet. Umberto with a moonsault landing on the feet of Ford. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a good match. They're going along. Uh, from the heavens is delivered to Otis, and then Gable applies the ankle lock when all of a sudden Braun Strowman makes his return and he is uh, controlling his pants because he decided to go with a red color scheme, red jeans. Did you Control your pants? I, I had nothing. So he comes out and he just destroys everyone. This felt like uh, the cruiserweight division in WCW. Yeah. Got a strong reaction, but just murdered all these guys and left them laying. There was no outcome in this match. I don't know why we had to call it a number one contenders match. We could have just done a four-way match, I guess. Um, and then he clears the announcer's desk and power slams Dawkins through the desk, 
came in, did the Hogan routine, cupping the ears and just posed for the audience. So, I mean, that this got over with the crowd, but, um, man, I was, yeah. I was enjoying the match and it was just, it just felt like, wow, these eight just got sacrificed for this dude, but he's the guy coming in with a push. He's this week's, you know, big return uh, in the series of a big return since uh, um, Paul Lebeck took over. I, I Is this re- a big return? I think so. I think more significant than any of the others so far. He's a bigger star than Karrion Cross, a bigger star than Hit Row, bigger star than Dexter Loomis. Bigger star than, well, Johnny Gargano felt bigger, and maybe that's just to us. But bon, Braun Strowman is without a doubt the biggest star of all of them. So, you know, he comes out here, and the man is jacked like he's bigger than before he's more cut than before if that was possible um and you see him in a ring like this and it makes you wonder why they ever let a guy like that go because he seems like you know such a perfect fit for a wwe product i like the return i hate that they did this to the tag team division in the midst of a match that was you know starting to renew my interest in in the division you had like fresh pairings here between the new day with the street profits with uh what was the other team? I, I I'm sorry, I forget. Los Barrios, yeah, Academy. like everybody, like it was a good match. Everybody got big spots. Ford had some big spots with with Otis. Like it, it was a good match, and it was just sad to see them, you know, cruiserweight division this whole thing when they could have just as easily booked a throwaway twenty four seven gimmick to for for Star- Stormin to do this with. Or even so, two of the teams here. I mean, it's like no one's taking uh, Los Lotharios all that seriously. But, I mean, it was just like all eight of them. That By the end of this, it's like, okay, th- these are the geeks. And I don't look at the Street Profits as geeks. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't think you want to position Kingston and Woods as geeks. But that's certainly how everybody felt um, at, at the end of this. But, um, I mean, these were your sacrificial lambs to get over who they believe is, the, you know, the bigger star that they are going to be putting in a much higher position than any of these eight. Yeah. Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah against Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. Um, the best line from Jimmy Smith. There's a reason for the smile on Raquel Rodriguez's face after winning the tag titles last week. No, so thank you. Finally, there's some justification <laughs> oh. for her happiness. So um, they're very aware of like yeah, this is very tongue in cheek. I thought, but they're they're so aware of like you know the fact that it's very unusual to see this person smiling this much. So. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's intentional because if Triple H wanted to change it, he would have already. Yeah. I mean, stop I can't smiling. Think of, <laughs> I can't, th- can't think of any any reason for her to exaggerate the smile so much, other than to potentially set up a heel turn, maybe. Well, they explained here that Raquel did a lot of the heavy lifting in the tournament as compared to Aaliyah. So they are going with that story. Um, damage control is shown watching in the back. Um, and the, the ending here saw Aaliyah take out Nikki Ash on the floor. So she did her part and it allowed Raquel to hit the Tejana bomb onto Dewdrop and pin her 344, a quick win. And they would be setting up a match with them for next week. This was really short. And I I think they're just – they. I think they know that they're going to be breaking up Nikki and Dewdrop, and it's just we can beat them like drums until we're ready to do the breakup. And you need an establisher for you know your new champions to at least I don't know cement the idea that they're somewhat significant. But nonetheless, the crowd was pretty cold for it, and I think much of it is because Raquel and Aaliyah really are a team with pretty little character development and personality, which I think made their win so shocking. You know, like there's there was very little momentum I think put behind them compared to damage control um it was a sit sit down interview would have gone a lot further for for these two than a three-minute match yeah which i think 
again tells me that their their biggest story is when they lose the belt you know like that's when their real storyline will begin um they they did make make slight mention of the illegal woman thing but that you know they would cement it a bit more later on with damage control yes so they are going with that megan caught up with ray he loves his son. He needs to speak with him in private. Judgment Day is trying to ruin his life. Edge is like family to me, but he says he will never put his hands on his son. So this is very much Brett being asked about a match with Owen and never will I absolutely positively ever wrestle my brother. Oh, you're going to get a very, I think, dramatic, you know, beatdown like of, of Dominic destroying his father and Ray refusing to fight back. And Judgment Day deserves to get their ass handed to them, and he will take on any member of Judgment Day minus Dominic tonight. And that would happen later. Austin Theory's out, and he is still selling the uh, the punch from Tyson Fury. And hey, says, by, by the way, they, sorry to cut you off, but like prior to this, they they were showing clips from Clash at the Castle of significant moments, and they did it dedicated a whole thing to Sheamus getting a standing ovation. Yeah, they did a lot of recaps from Clash at the Castle, like just mm-hmm. isolating the like the Sheamus spot, Drew's ovation that he had. So they did like quite a lot of video from it. And I, I think coming I've said it before, like coming off these pay-per-views, I'm fine with like, you know, putting a lot of emphasis on the big event that we just had and really Especially when it's a sold out crowd that looks like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Austin Theory says that Despite getting uh, punched out by Tyson Fury, Crown Jewel was a success. Just kidding. Clash at the Castle was a success. Like he caught himself just as he called it the wrong name. Uh, But he's still going to be a future champion. And when he gets knocked down, he gets back up. I was waiting for Ace Steel to say, you get the fuck up. (laughs) What a week for that guy. Uh, He is glad that Reigns is champion because Drew embarrassed himself and then he stumbles over his words, but just grabs his jaw in pain. And I don't care if he legit. It it seemed like he was stumbling, but it was perfect for for this. Oh, yeah. He turned a a negative into a positive here. It was great. Like it's almost like it it should have been this way. He he used it to further his frustrations at the crowd for throwing him off and by making his jaw hurt something or or something. But like it's it, it all like to me, more importantly, demonstrated to the audience and also I'm sure to the people in the back that this is a guy who knows how to handle himself in front of live TV. Even when he does flub, he knows how to save it. Kevin Owens confronts him and jokes about him getting knocked out by, by Tyson Fury. And he remembers that you found your first name so I can call you Austin again. And he hates arrogant and delusional people and says that either Roman or Drew would have beaten you at Clash because I've been in the ring with them. So you should be thankful you got knocked out. Theory calls him jealous because I, uh, you haven't won a title in years, nor have you ever won money in the bank. And Owens brings up the fact that Drew couldn't beat him several weeks ago and he had Roman beat 18 months ago. And the only reason he didn't win the money in the bank is because he wasn't in the match. And with that, Owens calls on the ref and says, now it's time to fight. And we get a impromptu match between the two. He didn't really call on the ref. He was like, this is the at time. this point, this is the time when, uh, you know, am I the only person who's aware that like a referee will probably walk in right now? And as he says it, the referee comes in. I'm really loving this sort of like very self-aware, like meta, you know, Truman Show-esque type of Kevin Owens, who is, I guess, carrying on from like the Elias Ezekiel thing. He's the only guy who realizes that he is on a scripted show. <laughs> he He's the only person who knows Ezekiel is Elias. He makes allusions to real world things that other people don't know about, like Austin Theory getting his first name back. Um, he called him. He says he he even said like you know what used to be the handpicked guy 
referring to yeah you know we got a subtle vince reference here that you were the hand-picked future yeah so it's a great direction to take him uh, sort of like and and to make him a baby face because he very much is the real guy on the roster anyway so they had a really long match uh owens is attacking his uh jaw with the forearms and hits a senton uh but lands on theory's knees and then owens headbutts theory off the turnbuckle hitting a swanton um owens lands a super kick the pop-up gets avoided and then owens runs his shoulder into the post and theory does the spot that owens has done in the past where he just gets thrown with the back of his head hitting the steps i hope that Kevin Owens just has some trick to do this thing because it looks fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. So um, you would hope. Yeah. I hope so. It looks awful. <laughs> I was like, retire this spot, but man, I don't know. So he beats the count into the ring, makes his comeback. Fisherman Buster hits the pop-up power bomb and stuns Theory to win this match in 16 minutes and 56 seconds. This was uh, it was a long one. But, you know, Kevin Owens has been put in this role recently, right? You know, like the the sort of like, what was this, like eight o'clock, nine o'clock? Something this this was in the second hour. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, a significantly length, a long match on, on the show. And they all seem to follow a bit of formula. You know, uh, somebody comes up there, cuts a promo. Kevin Owens interrupts. They get into a bit of a promo battle, which I have, you know, pretty been, been pretty consistently good. And then they engage in like a pretty long wrestling match, which again, are usually pretty good because Kevin Owens is a spectacular wrestler and seems to drag a lot of great stuff out of his opponents as well. I I think this was a pretty strong win for him against a guy like Theory who gets a lot of screen time. And um, they're doing a really good job of building him back up, I think, Kevin Owens. Yeah, this this is a match that... um... You know, at a, at a different period, you would assume that it, they would just do some cheap DQ or count out at, at the end. But or you got a clean finish afterwards. most likely win, like if this was a, a year ago, for instance. Yeah, but it was, it was a nice match. It was, uh, you know, it got two segments and a, another strong win for Kevin Owens, who they're keeping very strong. Schreiber spooks Miz as he she walks up from behind. It's like, I'd be a little annoyed, too. Like, Miz has given this woman plenty of time. On the day of my match, like, what more do you need to ask me? I've got a cage match. And anyway, uh, he's better than Lashley. That's what we learned in this promo. Damage Control are out to gloat about their win at Clash at the Castle. They are taking control. And EO says that they are taking the tag titles next week. And this is when Dakota Kai notes that she was not the legal woman in the match last week. And apparently nobody noticed over the whole last week. They, uh, They pointed it out here. They pointed it out here, but I also felt like it was kind of downplayed in that, like, they didn't even show a replay of it. Like, in the replay that they, they did show, they never, they kind of hid that point of the match. Yeah. So, part of I, me wonders, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's, it was certainly not played up last week. Like, Dakota played it up, but was that her just acting on her own? Um, hmm. I, I would be surprised if she was just pointing that out as audibly as she did last week, but yeah. they made no big deal out of it, but it just felt like this was our way to set up a rematch for next week. So Bailey uh, brings up her win over Bianca Belair, and that prompts Belair to come out and challenges Bailey on the spot, but Bailey is not working on Labor Day. So Belair mm-hmm. says that all three of them, it took all three of you to beat me, and unless Bailey has this title, you control nothing. So... Um, this was not set up for next week, um, but is a match happening in the future. I enjoyed the segment. You know, um, I, I, I thought Bailey did a great job of gaslighting Bianca Belair into, you know, convincing us that her wanting to face Bailey is just Bianca's 
ego acting out because she can't handle one loss rather than, you know, the reality, which seems to be Bailey's own cowardice at not wanting to accept the match right now. So um, we don't know when it will be, but I mean, relatively soon, I suppose, and on Bailey's own time. So, yeah. Yeah. The next pay-per-view is not till October 8th. So that's, that's a long time, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe that, that pay-per-view will, uh, will take shape in the, in the next week or so. Schreiber is with Johnny Gargano. He's excited to remind people what he's capable of in the ring. Fury interrupts and says, since you've returned, you're just Johnny talking. It's like, dude, I've been on two shows since I've been back. Uh, Gargano agrees with this assessment, though, and he's going to wrestle next week in Portland. Rey Mysterio against Damian Priest. He is the chosen Judgment Day member. Uh, Priest was in control until, you guessed it, ran his shoulder into the post and Rey delivers kicks after catching him in the corner. Judgment Day joins him ringside, including Dominic, and Rey manages a seated senton and Quebrada staring at his son, and then Priest throws him into the turnbuckle. Rey spins off the shoulders into a DDT, and then Rey stops Priest with a knee and hits a Hurricane Rana off the top. Rey misses the 619, setting up a spin kick from Damien, lifts him up for the razor's edge, but that's countered with a Rana, and Rey goes for the 619, but Dominic stands in his way on the apron and the crowd booed. And this allowed Balor and Ripley to distract Ray and Priest nails Ray south of heaven and pins Ray in 1332. Yeah. I thought it was a good match. You know, in particular because I think um, Ray's character motivation was pretty well conveyed throughout. He walked to the ring very sad at not having his son by his side. He started the match off really, like, furiously angry at Damien Priest. And then... um you know they did a good job of uh, continuing showing, continuing, continuously showing Dominic's sort of like ability to just distract Ray just by being there throughout the match. So I, I've I've really been into the storyline. The Judgment Day stood over Ray and Ripley, who's very much taken a leadership role in the Judgment Day. Uh, at least, that- at least it, when it relates to Dominic, like she seems to be the one spearheading the the Dominic influence. Well, that's going to be the Judgment Day story, like right. going ahead. So I'm, I'd be curious, like if this is this seems to be like she will be like speaking on behalf of the group. So she says that there's only one man left in their way, and Dominic is going to send Edge back into retirement next week. And what Poppy wants, Poppy gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what stood out to me on this show is how much the crowd remembers the sort of Eddie Guerrero, you know, custody storyline. And it's, I'm sure it's something that they're just kind of like waiting for Dominic to actually speak about, to reveal about how he felt throughout all that and how somehow, you know, Eddie will become a bigger part of this whole thing. I lied on the A&E biography. I hated it. It was so demeaning. What are you doing to me, dad? I am not old enough to be taking part in this television program. I can't wait. Why, Poppy? Why? Schreiber is a Bobby Lashley. Um, he says he's more dangerous uh, in the cage with Miz than Miz is outside the cage with Loomis. Strowman, is, uh, they catch up to him. He's back. He's going to be on SmackDown on Friday. Cool. High five to the brand split. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's the, I suppose there's some justification for some of these guys like going to different brands because the championships are consolidated right now. I but guess. you're like, yeah, the, the brand split pretty I, much doesn't I don't exist. care. It's fine. Put him on SmackDown. Uh, they recapped Riddle and Rollins, and they were off the show other than these these post-match interviews that they did after Clash. And Sarah Schreiber asks Riddle in the locker room, 
how's your head? And sorry, she says, where's your head at after that loss? Where's my head at? I thought like Basement Jacks was going to start playing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He said, Rollins stomped my brains into the canvas. That's where my head is. But he wants another match against Rollins ASAP. So Rollins was told about this rematch. And Rollins, justifiably so, is like, no, why? Why? I beat him. There was no controversy. I'm moving on. I thought I thought this this was not I'm sure this was designed as like, oh, you're ducking riddle. It's like shouldn't that be how a, a feud ends? You beat the guy and then you move on? Why would he give uh, yeah, him a rematch? Sure. Well, I mean for the spirit of competition, but you're right. Yeah, there's, there's how many no times way. do I have to beat you? I have to beat you what, four times, five times? Like Agreed. Agreed, agreed. I mean done. but Yeah. But you know, this unfortunately I think or fortunately we I mean we are going to get that rematch. There's that's why they it's going to be a bit of a journey for, I guess, Riddle to justify the, the rematch at this point. Next week, they are. it's the return of Monday Night Football. And last year, the week-to-week difference uh, when Monday Night Football came back meant uh, a 10% drop in viewership and an 18% drop in in 18-49. So we will see what impact uh, it has, uh, given given that Raw has been up this year. Uh, so it's Raquel and Aaliyah against Io Sky and Dakota Kai for the tag titles, Dominic against Edge, and Johnny Gargano in action. Mm-hmm. I would I would assume the tag title match is the main event. Um, yeah, possibly unless there's there's something else. You could go with Edge and Dominic. I mean that that show did really well in Toronto that you built all around an Edge match. Does uh, football go all the way till eleven? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, okay. it might be over by then. Hmm. Depends on the game, I guess. Uh, it's uh, they're going against Denver and Seattle next week. Right. Will you have a split screen? No, I don't think so. Okay. Bobby Lashley and The Miz in a steel cage match for the United States Championship. I swear to God, this match uh, was just the longest thing in, in the world. Um, In comparison to, you know, some of the later matches last night, I I didn't. I didn't have that same feeling. I, I think I, I think you enjoyed this raw a lot more than me. I, I got into mm-hmm. the Dominic stuff. Uh, th- this to me was the lo- the the raw that has felt the longest of the of the Hunter Raws for me. Like this felt like a very. I, I don't even it, have like did any. You watch like, it like in real time. Um, close to it, yeah. Because I um, I zipped through commercials, so well, maybe that's why. This was why I, I don't have like all these negatives on the show. It was just a long show for me to, to watch. Uh, at the beginning, Corey Graves mentioned uh, he, he dropped a line from uh, Pat Stay, who uh, died tragically over over the weekend. The Canadian rapper. Oh wow! So he was. I didn't even know here. about that. Wow. Miz attacks him with the United States belt before the bell rings, and then Ciampa gets involved, and they take Lashley to the floor before the bell rings. We come back, the match is in progress, and Miz is attacking the arm until Lashley starts to uh, fight back, and this had been the, the focus of their attack before the break on the arm. And Miz tries to escape but uh, with, with Ciampa's help, but Lashley pulls him back. Lashley cannot climb the, the fence as Ciampa gets a chair and starts smashing at his knee. So Miz capitalizing hits the just the awful Busaiku knee that I guess that's the charm that Miz does Daniel's uh, Brian spots like yeah. awful, but it, it looks dude. This looked like a guy that was like trying to jump into a pool with a bad cannonball or something like it looked terrible. Like he really should be the leader of the Jericho appreciation society of, of sports <laughs> entertainers. Like he is the quintessential sports entertainer. 
I'd love to see him attempt a cattle mutilation. Well, we came back from the second break, and he's got the LaBelle lock applied on him. And Lashley <laughs> gets up to his feet, runs Miz into the cage. Gra- Graves, who, like, Lashley was like the, – the arm was like uh, – being sold at some points and others not so much. And Graves says his arms got to be made of adamantium. Yeah. It's just coming back to full strength. It's amazing how these arms work. So Miz climbs. He's hit with a superplex. Lashley misses a spear going into the cage and is hit with a skull crushing finale. Lashley kicks out. Um, he's got a bit of a reaction, but n- not to the extent of like a skull crushing finale kick out. Chompa then shuts the door on Lashley's head. Uh, which in, in another era uh, set world class on fire. Here it was Lashley no selling it, and then he slams the door on Champa's head, and then Miz repeatedly slams the door on Lashley's head while the camera cuts every time the door hits Lashley's head. I don't know if this would have. I would have loved to have seen this 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 direction for uh, for Gordy slamming the cage on on Carrie's head. Miz goes to climb over, but then he sees Dexter Loomis slide out from underneath the ring and he crawls back into the cage where he is speared and Lashley pins him. And then Lashley closes the door, leaving Miz in the ring with with Loomis as he applies the head and arm choke and he chokes out Miz as the show ends. So tune in next week to see if the Miz survives. Yeah, yeah. And we can all see this one. The audience can see this one. The commentators could see this one. What's happening to him? Is he is he <laughs> collapsing? Choking. Why is choking he choking? <laughs> is he having an allergic reaction? <laughs> um Yeah, I I enjoyed this, John. You know, I thought I thought from a storyline perspective, which is I think how I tend to watch Raw more so than like an in ring, you know, uh exciting wrestling match perspective, like I thought everything was sound. The fact that Miz it is really stupid of a plan to like, you know, book yourself in a steel cage match against Bobby Lashley in order to escape from Dexter Loomis. But I guess the man was confident enough in his abilities against Bobby Lashley. And I suppose also with, um, you know, Trump ringside, the two on one advantage was for him enough uh, of, I think, I don't know, sanctuary from Dexter Loomis. But nonetheless, I thought like, you know, the two on one advantage was played well to serve up Bobby Lashley as an underdog. And by the time you got to the Loomis surprise, I, I thought it was pretty well done. It ended up being Miz trapped in the cage with Dexter. And uh, to me, jury's still out on like how successful of a character Dexter Loomis might be like long term. But tonight, I thought they did a good job, you know, um, surprising everybody with that wonderful over the, t- over the overhead camera shot where he just kind of pulled himself from under the ring and then uh, creating a show ending scenario with Miz trapped again with Dexter. Yeah, I I was uh I was fatigued by the by the end of this show and having like a you know 25 minute uh Miz Lashley main event was uh trying on me, but um I I I I thought Owens in theory had a very nice match on the show. Uh, uh, the Dominic stuff was 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 good. It was a good follow up to to the angle on Saturday with with, with the breakup as well. So I th- I think that story and more importantly, I think they have a direction for that story as well. This does not feel like they're just going by the seat of their pants week by week and where they're going to go. It feels like they have this mapped out where you know it's it's Edge next week. Obviously, the big match way down the road is with with Ray at, at some point. I I would contend that like. Everything on the show right now feels like it has a long-term direction, you know, not just um, stuff stuff involving Edge and and and, and Ray and, and Dominic. Um, 
I really enjoyed the Edge and Ray and Dominic stuff. I think it's it, it everybody like has like a very defined role. By far, it's the best thing that Ray and Dominic has has had to do on the show. It's by far the best thing that Judgment Day has been given, and potentially it could be the best storyline that Edge has been ha- uh, given, at least in you know relatively uh, sort of like you know recent history. Um, so I'm I think that's in really good shape, and I really I'm looking forward to seeing that unfold. I was not a fan of seeing the tag team division basically served up to, to Braun Strowman. So that was probably the biggest negative on the show, but the match itself was good. And, you know, Dexter Loomis, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think they're doing a good job of serving that story up this week with a bit of course correction and taking away the not being able to see him element of it, I I think helped. And Kevin Owens continues to be somebody that they're pushing uh, very strongly in, in, in successful fashion. You can certainly say like they are creating a lot of um, top, you know, like like options like that don't necessarily have to be uh, just for the sole purpose of feeding Roman. But like you're creating like a main event mix now that consists of like you still have Drew in a pretty high position. You've elevated Owens. I think Rollins has benefited. He's coming off the win with Riddle. You're trying to get Riddle up to that level. Karrion mm-hmm. Cross is still in there. Now, Braun, you figure is going to be in a pretty big spot com- coming back as well. I also imagine like somebody like Johnny Gargano in a few months time might not be that far away, you know, from from reaching that status too under Triple H. Also on the the women's side of things, I think, you know, damage control since they've come back have completely reinvigorated the division. Everything that, you know, is taking place with them feels relatively fresh between the tag teams and also the main main title program between Bianca Belair and, and Bailey. So I think that's in very good shape as well. Okay, that was raw. Um, Let's go to. Any super chats and feedback? No super chats, but in lieu of that, I encourage everybody on YouTube to go join, sign up for a membership. It is $8 US a month, and uh, that's another way you can support us ongoing at Post Wrestling. YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling. Okay, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com for the forum. And we start off with Benjamin, who gives uh, some bullet points on Raw. KO is a gem. Dominic Mysterio's new baby goth Grease Lightning look is magical. Johnny Backstage will become Johnny Wrestling again next week. Damage Control's new entrance theme is a banger. Braun Strowman looks like a proud boy in his red pants. And no one is safe, especially towels, because he'll toss them. All right. Uh, He goes on here to talk about the CM Punk. That's like... uh, CM Punk, if this matters at all, nothing Punk said about Colt Cabana was about him being moved from AEW to ROH. He also accused MJF of shitting where he eats after he insulted and undermined all the EFP, e- EVPs and other talents in front of the company's CEO. The, the MJF stuff, I, I think you have to take that portion with, with a bit of a grain of salt. I mean, they're going to a program right there. I I, I didn't see anyone really latch on to the MJF stuff like the other stuff. On the Cabana front, um, I get the sense like Punk was just had a lot of lingering issues regarding, you know, Scott Colton that it just seemed like it was a bit of a soapbox for him to get that out. And I feel really bad, like for all the parties involved or for particularly Scott Colton and his, and his mother, the fact that, you know, his name was was against again, dragged up here and. If you see the full clip, which you can find on uh, Denise Salzado's uh, capturing of the strike, I, I would certainly recommend her channel because, like, the the audio was like all wonky on the AEW feed, and 
with, with Denise's, not only is like the audio at the regular level, you get to hear the the responses and the questions from the reporters, and that adds right. some context. And Punk was not prompted to give an answer about Scott, Scott Colton. I, I no. think we might be able to speculate because it was Nick Hausman who had the first question and maybe it was because Punk recognized. He recognized Nick and, Nick and he immediately Nick drew, drew a connection believing that, that Nick is buddies with, with Colt Cabana because he knew they did improv together. And Nick said, uh, the two of us actually don't see eye to eye. We are not friends. So it oh, kind it ruined of, his spot. Yeah, he, he, he said you basically you you ruined my spot. But. but Punk clearly wanted to get this off his chest, I guess, over, you know, recent accusations anyway. Yeah, um, you know, and, you know, it's, you know, it would probably at this point it needed to be addressed. Um, you know, Tony Khan did address it earlier this week, but. But going to Benjamin's point, addressing it could have simply been saying I had nothing to do with it. Did he need to get into everything else regarding their lawsuit? Uh, he know? didn't have to. He obviously wanted to because he kept going back to it throughout the mm-hmm. press conference. He was not done. Like he was once the lid was taken off, he was getting everything out. Yeah, his like one of the more scathing scathing lines was there are two people in this world who have made the most money off of CM Punk. One of them is Vince McMahon and the other was Scott Colton. Yeah, what he said. And and I don't think it's something you're going to see Cabana, you know, uh, address or or respond to. Uh, I wonder if there are legal ramifications to some of that stuff. You know, at, at least I don't know. We could speculate. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a good scene. Um Anyway, um, okay, let's move on. My turn. We go to Saeed from Vancouver who says, to me, it seemed like WWE phoned in this episode of Raw. looks like they didn't care as the opposition is on fire. It might be – I don't think they're paying any attention like while they're scripting this Raw to you know what happened with AEW and, and that press conference. Uh, I might be alone on this one, but I really enjoyed Kale versus Theory. I don't think you're alone. I thought it was a good match. It was a fine match. Uh, I'm not going to go over the moon with it, but it was it was fine. Seems they love the backstage background segments with Nikki and Dewdrop. In this edition, Nikki took her mask off, threw it at Dewdrop, and walked off. Okay, I, mi- I missed that. Uh, the, I'm getting used to these backstage, the background segments. So a good, a good observation by Saeed. He says, dang it, they got me. Now I'm looking forward to next week to see Gargano's in-ring return and Dom versus Edge. I'll be watching Raw and Monday Night Football at the same time. Jermaine from Chicago. Hope you guys enjoyed your wrestling-filled weekend. You two could run any target. Well, thank you, um, Jermaine. <laughs> I felt like this was a show that would introduce new programs, but it seems like a filler show. The NFL is coming next week. Hunter needs to step up. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. Raw needs a world champion with new parts with news that part-time Joe won't be around for a while. How would you get the Raw title back on the show? Not having a world champion on Raw makes the show lesser. I knew some Roman slander was going to come in there from uh, Jermaine. So thank you for delivering as always. Um, how do we get the title back on the show? Uh, you know, if they've kept it off from Drew at Clash of, of at the Castle. Let's, let's be honest, though. Like this last month, um, Raw has been the the show that has been up. It has not mm-hmm. been SmackDown, and yeah. Raw has been the show without the champion showing up. Um, yeah. I think Roman showed up one of those weeks, but um, mm-hmm. you know, general like Raw is up consistently. The, this. Yeah this last like six week period and they're doing so without the title. Like they're the ones benefiting from the, the buzz. 
Yeah, and in some fashion, like this is kind of taking things back to like the way things were before there were expected title defenses on TV every single week. They're making championship matches feel special by saving them for you know not even every single premium live event, but the occasional premium live event. And in its place, I think they're finally doing things like elevating the secondary titles to make them feel as important as you know the world title. Um, they're slowly doing that. And I think that, you know, Gunther versus Sheamus was a big step in that direction. But if they're not going to, like, if they resist it in giving the, the championship to Drew or even splitting the championships this past weekend to Drew, I don't see them taking the belt off of Roman anytime soon until Rumble or Mania or something like that. Yeah. And I think it's much more important that you have your, your biggest stars that I think are going to make the, the bigger difference. Like, if you had, um, like a Kevin Owens or a theory win one of the titles and he's on raw every week. Is that going to necessarily take raw to a much higher level? Um, just having that championship. I think it's, you know, it's the, the fact is your, your biggest star is who you want to have the title on. The title is on the biggest star right now in, in the company, but it's, it's something that at some point I, I do feel they, they will address. I don't think it's going to be a case where they consolidate these titles forever unless that's, you know, some big picture idea that maybe Paul Levesque believes that like the one title is the superior option. So there you go. Thank you to uh, everybody with the feedback and all of you for joining us tonight for Rewind a Raw. We're back on Tuesday night, postwrestlingcafe.com. It is Rewind Away covering Royal Rumble Raw from February 3rd, 1997 up on the WWE Network, which in a weird way, the next Raw after this was the Thursday, Raw Thursday that we just reviewed not all that long ago. So this is right in the same time frame that we revisited uh, before uh, our Rewind Away break. So that is coming up on Tuesday. A lot of interesting news items going down that week in professional wrestling and a notable edition of Raw because this was the first two-hour edition of Raw where they moved to two hours and it ended up being a permanent move to two hours. Could you imagine? Are we going to have time for two-hour Raws every single week? That's a lot of wrestling every Monday night, which mm. also had uh, two-hour nitros to contend with. Oh, they're going to oversaturate the market. Yes. Damn. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah. Hey, uh, also a new edition of WrestleNomics that just came out on a Monday, a slightly delayed version of WrestleNomics because Brandon, of course, was in attendance at the press conference from hell, perhaps, is how it will be remembered. So Brandon will give his thoughts on uh, All Out Business, as well as the press conference comments from CM Punk, of course, and how it may affect AEW business going forward. So that is right now up on the free feed. So just scroll down if you're watching this uh, or if you're listening to this on iTunes or sorry, Apple podcast, where you can also, of course, subscribe to the Post Wrestling Cafe. $8 a month gets you all of this stuff. Or if you prefer Patreon, postwrestlingcafe.com, $6 a month. Better deal, but either way, however you like it, check it out. Yes, postwrestlingcafe.com is where you can go. Lots of great stuff coming up this month. And uh, some things we're, we're cooking up as well to sample at the, the cafe in the near future. So there, there's a tease for you. We'll be back on Tuesday and then Wednesday. It's, it's the road trip edition of Rewind to Dynamite. That is it. Goodbye.